Well, good morning. So glad that you are here. Uh, we want to say a special welcome to all of our Arkansas Tech students. Grateful that you are here, chosen to be a part uh, this morning. We've been praying for you. We're grateful that you've chosen to come and join us today. I know many of you, um, uh, various reasons here, and, and some of you have church homes, and you've taken a break and come and join us just to support this day, and we're grateful for that and excited about the day. Um, and so for all of our tech students, we have a way we're going to hopefully connect with you after the service, and hopefully uh, you will make plans to, to stay with us and enjoy a meal um, with us. And I'll say a few more words about that in just a moment. If you're a guest that's maybe not a tech student this morning, uh, we want to connect with you, and we want to do that in one of two ways. Uh, the first way is you can fill out the card in the pew back in front of you. It's a first-time guest card, fill that information out, and then at the end of service, you can either leave that in the seat in the pew where you're at, or as we leave today, there'll be an opportunity to give. You can leave that in the offering plate as we leave, or uh, you can go online to our website, sbc.org, and there's a button that says, I'm new. Click that button, fill that information out, and it's a way for us to connect with you and know uh, that you are here. And so we are grateful that you've chosen to worship with us. I want to make a few comments about today, some activities, things that are happening. Um, As I mentioned a moment ago, we have a meal, um, Italian-themed potluck. I tried to sample as many of those as I could prior to coming uh, to making announcements, so everything's good. Um, No, uh, uh, but we do have several, um, just a, a table full of meals and and just dishes and everything smells good and looks good so i hope that you'll make plans uh all of our tech students and our church family any visitors we have you're certainly welcome uh to make plans right after service we will uh pray and ask the lord to bless the food at the end of the service and then we'll just make our way down i'll give some instructions about that in a moment but uh please please stay around for you college students we've got some giveaways and some things we're going to do and so I hope you'll hang around and enjoy um, that time with us. And so that's immediately following the service. Uh, Tonight, we've got some fun things happening. Uh, We are continuing our three circles training. um, And and the focus of that is taking everyday conversations and turning them into gospel conversations. Um, Many of you came last week or were a part of that. Uh, if you were not able to come last week, that's okay. Uh, come this week. It's, a, it's about a six-session training time, and so we would love for you to come and be a part of that and, and join, that, uh, join in that tonight. Um, and so let me give some instructions. We will not be in the fellowship hall where we were last week. We'll be in the reception hall. Hope you, hopefully you'll plan to be here for that. Um, In the fellowship hall, I know there's a lot happening this evening, at 5.30, uh, starting at 5.30, uh, Pastor Jonathan and and students are hosting a a Super Bowl watch party and just hanging out and enjoying some food and and games and enjoying the game um, there in the fellowship hall, so you're certainly welcome and invited to come be a part of that. Um, Anybody's welcome to come to that, especially want to invite you tech students if you want to come and enjoy just hanging out and enjoying that time, you're certainly welcome to do that uh, tonight. They'll be gathering, I'm sure, before 5.30, so you're welcome to come a little early if you would like and be a part of that. Okay, there's some other things that are happening. Uh, you can pay attention to the news and notes in your bulletin. Let me mention one other thing to you. One week from Tuesday on February 21st, I'm hosting several pastors here just as a way to try to encourage them 
and, and be a blessing to them. We're going to provide a meal for them. Um, and then we're going to have a time of fellowship, just learning from one another. And then also we want to have a time where we can just say a way of saying thank you, be a blessing to them. And so if you're interested in giving toward that, um, be it a gift card or you want to give uh, cash toward that, or maybe you have something you want to give. And again, I'm just encouraging these are just men. Uh, they're just dudes. It doesn't have to... Um, uh, just what men like, that's what they like. So as you're thinking about that, you want to be a part of that. You want to give in some way. If you would just come find me, say, hey, Pastor Chris, I, I want to uh, be a blessing in that way to these pastors and whatever the case may be. Uh, we really want to do all that we can to encourage them to continue on in the ministry and continue serving the Lord. All right, well, in just a moment, I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. Um, and, and we're going to sing to the Lord in just a moment after that. Um, Pastor Jonathan Whitlock is going to come and preach the word uh, to us this week. Pastor Jonathan serves our church in a lot of ways, uh, missions and, and all sorts of other ways, but one of his primary responsibilities is ministry to students. Um, and so I'm excited he gets a chance to bring the word of God to us. I'm excited about what the Lord has to say through him. And so be praying for him as he comes and preaches in just a moment after uh, Pastor Al Ray and our team leads us in worship. And so um, we're going to go to Lord in prayer. Let me, let me just say quickly this. Um, God is doing something unique at Asbury University. In 1970, there was a movement that began. It swept across our nation called the Jesus Movement. And it was a movement among college students um, that God showed up on some campuses and and scores of people, hundreds of thousands, mostly of, of young adults, college students, were saved. And what's unique in 1970, most trace it back to a, a movement that began in 1970 at a university called Asbury University. And just seemingly out of nowhere, a spark began and it swept across universities and campus, campuses all over the nation. Wednesday morning, this past Wednesday morning at Asbury University, they showed up for just a regular chapel service. And last report that I saw is essentially that service has not ended as of this morning. Um, and so, man, just day after day, hour after hour, there's worship, there's students praying, there's students um, praying over their family, all sorts of things that are happening. And I have no idea. I'm not a dare about to stand before you and say, hey, we're fixing to have another uh, Jesus movement across our nation. This is what I know. We need a fresh work from God across our nation. Um, campuses and not on campuses alike. And so um, I don't know what the Lord wants to do, but I'm just praying that God sends revivals. God sends another great work. And maybe he'll do it among this generation. Maybe he'll do it among college students and young adults all across the nation. And... Um, uh, and maybe God will do a great work for his kingdom and glory. So uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, you're gracious and kind and merciful. We thank you for today. Lord, thank you um, that you've given us a chance to be here and worship you today. Uh, God, I thank you for each one of these students and guests that are here. Um, God, what a blessing it is. And so I pray that you bless them today. Lord, I, I pray we'd worship you in spirit and in truth. And God, I, I, I don't know if what's happening at some of these college campuses right now is, is revival or another Jesus movement or what it may be. But God, I know this. We're in desperate need of you. 
Um, and God, we, we cry out with a psalmist, God, that, that said, How long, O Lord, until you revive us again? And so, God, would you send revival? God, I, I desperately want to see revival here um, at Second Baptist and in this community and on this campus. But God, I just pray you would do a great work that you may sweep across our nation, that you may see uh, many come to faith and trust in you. And those that are far from you, God, that they would be restored. Lord, I pray for Pastor Jonathan as he preaches the word today. God, I pray that he would die to self. God, empty him of everything of himself and fill him, Holy Spirit, from the tips of his toes to the top of his head. Give him every word to say, nothing more, nothing less. God, you be glorified in our time here today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand as we sing, beautiful one.
Jesus, I've forgotten the words that you have spoken. Promises that burn within my heart have now grown dim. I think of my home, the paths of earthly wisdom. Forgive me for my
Christ. 
Amen. That is, well, that just, that's one of my favorite songs right now, by the way. Because it just walks through the gospel story. It tells that, that wonderful story of how Jesus came to this earth, what he did while he was here, what he did for all of mankind on the cross and how he rose again, and then how the gospel, that didn't, it didn't end there. It start, the church came alive. The Spirit lit the flame. And now we continue to proclaim this wonderful gospel even today. That is why we are here this morning, is to celebrate what Christ has done for us on the cross. Amen. Amen. I'm so um, grateful for this opportunity this morning to speak to you from God's Word. Um, I, uh, uh, I just have a simple word this morning coming from Mark chapter 8. So if you'll go ahead and turn your Bibles, if you have your Bibles here this morning, or if you have uh, your Bible app on your phone, uh, you can turn or you can flip over in there and go to Mark chapter 8. Uh, we're going to only look at three verses this morning, 27 through 29. Uh, you know, we're, we're, this is a, a pretty significant day, right, in the life of the National Football League. We, we have this thing that happens each year uh, called the Super Bowl, right? And we have uh, two teams that, that have, have made their way to this final game to be crowned uh, the, the best team for this season, right? And so there's been a lot of talk since a couple of weeks ago about the Kansas City Chiefs, right, and the Philadelphia Eagles, about these teams. A lot of comparison, I guess that's what I want to talk about. A lot of comparison, not only to the two teams themselves and really how evenly matched, but comparison to those, from those teams to teams of the past. Even as you look at the, the phenomenal quarterbacks that will be, um, you know, the generals of the offense. Um, you look at Patrick Mahomes and, and Hertz, you know, you've, you see these individuals and what they've been accomplished, not only this year, but in the years past, right? And, 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 and some of, you know, these two guys, they're, they're really starting their careers. They're really getting going. And, and some of the comparisons that you have of these two quarterbacks to not only their contemporaries, uh, much like uh, you know, some of them are, you know, now that uh, Tom Brady has uh, officially retired, and, and one could argue, right, that Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. Um, but some would say that there are other quarterbacks of old that would be considered the greatest of all time. You know, the, these two quarterbacks, depending upon whether they win or lose, they may be able to get into that conversation of being the greatest of all time. And, I, and the reason why I talk about comparison this morning is because of the, the passage that I want to look at. We're, we're, we're constantly comparing Things in our lives, ourselves to other people, uh, you know, as we, as we uh, just talked about, other individuals and their accomplishments to other people's accomplishments in life, not just in sports, not just in athletics, but all across, you know, our society in the various walks that we have. People, we compare. And so we have this moment in the life of Jesus' ministry where he's been doing some amazing things. 
He's been healing some people. Uh, and and when, when, I, when I say it's not just a cold, I mean, he's, he's, there have been blind individuals who Jesus made to see. He, he <laughs> oh my goodness, lame people were walking, right? And he was teaching with authority. And he, even, even at this point, he had, he had done this miraculous this meal, right? That he, I always call it, uh, it's like a Long John Silver's meal. It's a, it's a couple of fish and some hush puppies, right? That he, he breaks and he blesses and then all of a sudden, you know, 5,000 people, not just 5,000, that, that that's what that, the Bible says, that was men. So we're, conservative estimates are like 15, maybe 20,000 people. I don't, we don't know. It was an incredible group of people. I mean, just imagine if Tucker Coliseum was full of people and then all of a sudden, um, They've been there for, you know, two days or, and they haven't had anything to eat. And then somebody brings in a Long John Silver's meal and then Jesus shows up and he says, all right, let's break it. And he feeds everybody in Tucker Coliseum and then has some leftovers. So what I'm saying is there's some been amazing things happening in the life of, of Jesus and in the life of the disciples. They've been witnessing these things and people are starting to compare Jesus to his contemporaries and to the people of old. So we have right here where Jesus is walking along with them and he finds an incredible teaching moment. And he asks them a very serious question. And honestly, it's a question that people still have to answer today. Who do you say that I am? You know, we, we just sang about the gospel, right? This gospel, this, this truth of old that, that, won't, that won't kneel, that won't faint. When we look at the Word of God, I, 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 I'm going to give away something right now because I, I just want to say this, right? There is no other name under heaven by which a person might be saved than the name of Jesus. So it is vitally important that we answer that question this morning. That he is truly the Messiah, the Son of God. All right, let, but before I give away the entire sermon, would you stand with me uh, as we read uh, these three, pa- th- three um, verses of Scripture? If you don't have your Bible today, the words are going to be on the screen and you can follow along. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible this morning. Jesus went out with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, And on the road, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist. Others, Elijah. Still others, one of the prophets. And and in Matthew's account, uh, they even mention Jeremiah. So they're, they're, they're equating him with some of the great prophets of Israel's past. But you, he asked, Who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we are grateful for this opportunity to be in your house, to sing praises to your name, to sing about this gospel that that won't kneel, that won't faint, that has stood the test of time, 
that proclaims that, that Jesus came, He lived a perfect life, that He died on the cross for our sins, and then He rose again on the third day. So we are grateful that we can come here and to celebrate the, this wonderful truth, this life-changing truth. Father, I pray that as we examine Your Word today, that we will leave this place knowing the answer to the question that Jesus asked His disciples so many years ago, who do you say that I am? I pray that there would not be a person in this auditorium today, there will not be a person watching online that would not say that Jesus is just a man. But they would say He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. But more importantly, He's my Savior and my Lord. Oh, Father, may Your Spirit fall on this place. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So as I said earlier, you know, we're, we're always about this comparison game. And, and here we have in Jesus' life this this, this important question that, that His disciples, they have to answer. And again, they've seen Him do some amazing things. They've, they have even seen Him calm the storm and walk on water at this point. And so He asked them this important question and they have a response. So the main idea where, where I want to kind of draw our attention to this morning is that Jesus is more than just a man. Jesus is more than just a man. We know that from the the Scripture that Jesus was born of a virgin. We just sang about it. That the Holy Spirit came to Mary and within her conceived Jesus. Not only was He human like us. You know, the the Bible says in in John 1 that the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. So that's talking about the Word meaning God became flesh in the form of Jesus and dwelled among us. So we also have this idea that, that he had on this flesh suit of ours. So he was man, but he was also deity. He was also God, fully God and fully man. So he was, we've got to come to this truth in the Word of God that he is more than just a man. But then that begs the question to us this morning, who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that Jesus is? You know, it's one thing for the Bible to declare it, but it's, one, it's another for us to declare that in our lives. Because when we answer that question, that we say that Jesus is the Son of God, we say He's the Messiah, that He is my Savior, and that He is my Lord, it, it has ramifications for our very lives and the way in which we live. Amen? Because... When we start that identification with Jesus in our lives, when we start walking with Him, the way in which we do things, the, the things that we say should start changing. We, stu- we should start focusing ourselves on the things of God and not the things of this 
world. I have three truths that I want to bring from the Word of God this morning. And again, this is, I, I told you earlier, this is a simple message, but I think it's one that we need to be reminded of, especially in light of what Pastor Chris talked about this morning. Oh my goodness, I hope y'all are praying. Uh, you know, actually, it, it's interesting that this is happening at Asbury, right? Um, and m many of you know this, some of you may not know this, but the National Collegiate Day of Prayer is a week from this coming Thursday. Oh, I, I, and again, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to be like Pastor Chris, I'm not going to tell you that there's another Jesus movement that's going to happen, but God is up to something. Amen? And, it, and, and it's crazy to think, not really, it's not a coincidence, is it? That the National Collegiate Day of Prayer is coming up, and God is stirring in the hearts of college students. God is stirring in the hearts of young adults to commit themselves and to answer this question that we all must answer this morning if we haven't done it already in the affirmative that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. So who do you say that Jesus is? I hope your answer even before I begin this sermon, is that He's my Savior. He's my Lord. But, if that's not your answer this morning, my prayer is that as we look at this and we come to that understanding that He is more than just a man, that He was fully God and fully man, that He lived a perfect life, that He went to the cross and He died for our sins, and then He didn't stay dead, but on that third day, that first day of the week, He rose again, triumphant over death and sin. So that we, so that we might be victors that we as scripture says are can be more than conquerors in jesus christ that we would not have to li live in sin any longer or the fear of death that's my prayer this morning so let's let's look at these three truths this morning jesus first of all is not like anyone you know i know that that's mind-blowing right because I've just told you that He's the Son of God. But this is something we have to understand in the light of the fact that we compare ourselves and other people to other people, if that makes sense. A lot of times that's what we do. We, we try to equate uh, ourselves or other people to accomplishments or, or, or what other people have done or said in our lives. And sometimes that carries over in our relationship with God, how we relate to Him, what we think about Him. Here, when Jesus is... Let's, let's look at verse 27 and 28 again. Jesus went out with His disciples to the villages of, of Caesarea Philippi. And on the road, this is what He asked His disciples, who do people say that I am? What is their first answer? John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist was a contemporary of Jesus. In fact, as you read the Gospels, you, you are introduced very early on in the Gospels uh, 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 to John the Baptist. John the Baptist uh, actually was a, a cousin of Jesus Christ. It says there in Scripture that Elizabeth became uh, pregnant with this, this baby, and Zechariah, he... Um, 
when, when, when John was born, he proclaimed that it was, he was John, which was interesting to everybody else, but it was important because John, it says in Scripture, was going to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And John was out in the wilderness. John was preaching to people a, a message of repentance. And he was calling people back to God. He was calling people to repent of their sins and to be baptized. And so it would be very natural for people um, in Jesus' day uh, when, when they were thinking about and discussing Jesus and what He was about that they would compare him to John the Baptist. Mainly because when Jesus begins his ministry, do you know what his message was? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. It's at hand. And so it would be very natural for the people to say, well, he's, he's, he's John the Baptist. He's like John the Baptist. But look, look in your word of God, uh, John 1 19 through 30. I've got the, the scripture on the, on the screen. I know this is a lengthy passage of scripture. I'm not going to spend a lot of time explaining it this morning. But this is, this is about John the Baptist. And we will hear even what he had to say about himself. This was John's testimony when the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him, Who are you? So the, the priests and Levites. The, these were the religious people, the religious authorities of Jesus' day. And they're asking the question, who are you? It says that John didn't deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. What then, they asked, are you Elijah? I am not, he said. Are you the prophet? No, he answered. Who are you then, they asked. We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What can you tell us about yourself? He said, I am a voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, just as Isaiah the prophet said. So one of the things that John did was he pointed them back to the Word of God, to the Old Testament, to the prophet Isaiah. Wow. Did you all hear Siri? She does that to me on Wednesday night, too, when, when I get excited and I, I use my hands a lot. She tries to give me information and to help me preach, but I don't let her. Nothing like uh, an interruption to chase a rabbit, right, this morning. We caught the rabbit, it's back in the hat, right? All right, let's go. Um, so, he points back to the Word of God, and he says, I'm the one that was prophesied about that's going to prepare the way of the Lord. I am the one crying out in the wilderness. So now they had been sent from the Pharisees, Scripture says. So they asked him, why then do you baptize if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet? Now listen what he says. I baptize with water, John answered. Someone stands among you. You don't know him. He is the one coming after me whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. All this happened in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. Now listen to this. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I told you about. After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. So, here, 
people were comparing Jesus to John the Baptist. Even as, and what's interesting is John did not do the miracles that Jesus was doing. They had a similar message in repentance and coming back to God, but still people compared him. They weren't quite sure who he was. But let me tell you what, what Jesus here, he was more than somebody they knew. He was not like John the Baptist. Even John the Baptist himself said, He's not, I'm not like him. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. So Jesus is greater than anyone they knew at that time. And for us today, Jesus is greater than anyone that we might know. I've known some pretty incredible people in my life. Uh, one of them is actually sitting right here uh, on the second row. My father, James Whitlock. I have a great amount of respect for him. Um, he turns 91 later this year, and he's been preaching the gospel. And, and much of the way that I present the Word of God is a result of listening to him over the years. And I have a great amount of respect for him. I have had the opportunity, I, I wouldn't say that I, I know this man, but I had the opportunity to meet Henry Blackaby, the author of Experiencing God. I, at one conference, I sat down and talked with him about ministry, and it was an incredible experience in my life. And many of you have had similar experiences in your life where you know some incredible people that did some incredible things. And you met some of maybe your heroes, whatever walk of life they might be in, but you have met them, and maybe in that moment you were a little bit in awe of the fact that you were talking with this person, right? But you take all those people, and, and as much as I love my father, and as much as respect that I have for him, Jesus is so much greater than my father. And that's not a knock on him, because he's so much farther above than my father or anybody else that I know. Jesus is not like anyone we know. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5-10. through 10. He says, Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited or something to be held on to. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. What, what is Paul doing here? He's, he's telling them the gospel story. He's talking about the, the, uh, the, the story of Jesus, how he came to this earth and what he, what, what he did in order to come to this earth. And let me tell you, the humility that Jesus displayed by coming to this earth and dying on the cross for our sins is unparalleled in the history of mankind. It says, after, uh, and when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on the cross. For this reason, now listen to this. This is where we need to land here. Because of what Jesus did, because he left heaven and the glories of heaven, and he became one of us, and he walked among us, and he experienced the things that we experience, God has exalted him. Listen to this. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow 
in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Oh my goodness, He is not like anyone that I know. But here's the incredible thing. Here's here's the mind-blowing thing this morning, that this same Jesus wants you to know Him. Do you know Him? This morning? Oh, can I plead with you this morning that if you don't know Him, would you take a step to Him? Because He is not like anybody you know. You, you know, I, I talked about these, the, these individuals that are incredible examples to us, but we have also met individuals who n- are not good examples, people that hurt us, people that, that cause pain in our lives, right? Let me tell you something. Jesus is not like that. He will never do that to you. He, is, he has, I mean, listen to the humility of this, this suffering servant, Jesus Christ, who came to die for you. Do you think he would ever hurt you? All he wants to do is to love you and to help you in this life. Would you, would you take a step toward him today and say this right here, I want to know him. Jesus is not like anyone you know, but he's also not like anyone you've heard about. He's, this is, look back at the Scripture again. Uh, uh, verse 27, he talk, talks about Jesus going to the villages in, in Caesarea Philippi, and he asked that question, who do, who do people say that I am? Next verse, they, they answered him. John the Baptist, which we talked about, somebody they knew, somebody they were familiar with. But they also said, others, Elijah. Elijah was uh, an, an incredible prophet in the history of uh, the Israelites. In fact, if you go into 1 Kings, it, it talks about this in, uh, incredible God moment on Mount Carmel, Carmel where, where Elijah is up against the prophets of Baal. And, and it's an incredible, almost like a revival moment in, in the history of Israel because the Israelites, they were serving Baal. They were, they were going after false gods. And in this moment, Elijah, he, they have this standoff on, on Mount Carmel. And, and, they, and he said, okay, it's, it's time to stop wavering. In fact, the Scripture says, how long will you limp between two opinions? How long will you, will you go back and forth of who is God? It's, it's either Baal or it's, or it's Yahweh God. It's Elohim God. It, it's, it's Jehovah God. And so they have this standoff, and they, they, what they do is they prepare this sacrifice Elijah allows the prophets of Baal to go first because he knew. He knew that Baal didn't exist. And he knew that Baal would not answer. So they, they created this altar and then they, they put the wood on the altar and then they put the sacrifice on the altar. And the challenge was, you pray to Baal and I'll pray to Yahweh and whoever God answers with fire, that is the one true God. Alright, so once and for all, he's saying, Let, let's get this straight. And so in this moment, the prophets of Baal, they, they, they're calling out to God they're, 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 or to Baal and, and they're cutting themselves and, that, and they, nothing happens. And then finally Elijah says, enough is enough. 
And he brings in the stones. And he puts the wood on the altar. He puts the sacrifice on the altar. They dig a trench around the altar. And they pour water. And not just a little bit of water. They douse it good to where all, all of it was saturated. So much so that the ditch around the altar was filled with water. And in that moment, he cried out to God. And he said, he said prove that you are God. And, it, and just in a second... Fire came from heaven and not only consumed the sacrifice on the altar, but everything around it. And the people of Israel said, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. An incredible moment. And here is this, this man. This is the one that people were saying Jesus was like. And, and it would follow because Elijah in the history of Israel did many other miracles. And it would be a natural comparison for the people of Jesus' day to say, he's Elijah, or he's one of the other prophets. I don't have time to tell the stories of all the other prophets this morning. But these, are, these are the ones that they had heard about. Now listen to this conversation found in John chapter 8 that Jesus has with the religious authorities of the day. And in John chapter 8, Jesus, he's already uh, talked, had some really bold things to say in that I am the bread of life, I am, I am the light of the world. And he starts talking about truth here in around uh, eight chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 30. And in this moment, the Pharisees start talking about their heritage. And they, talk, they start talking about Abraham. And so, here's the question that the Pharisees asked Jesus. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? They had heard about Abraham. Abraham, the father of faith. Abraham, the one that, G that God came to and said, Hey, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to be a, a father of many nations, and through you, through your family, I will bless other nations. He says, and the, prophet, and they even said, and the prophets died. Who do you claim to be? If I glorify myself, Jesus answered, my glory is nothing, but my Father about whom you say He is our God, He is the one who glorifies me. You do not know Him, but I know Him. If, if I were to say I don't know Him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know Him and keep His word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. Now listen to this. The Jews replied, you aren't 50 years old yet, and you've seen Abraham? You've seen the person that, that he is the father of, of Israel, the father of faith? You've seen him, and Jesus said to him, now listen to this, and you need to grasp this this morning. Truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. <gasps> Jesus refers back to, to Exodus chapter 3. When, when Moses was being called by God to go back to Egypt and to lead the Israelites out of slavery. And, and Moses says, well, who do I tell people that has sent me? And this is what, what God tells Moses. in that He said, tell them, I am who I am has sent me. Right here, Jesus, He equates Himself to the one and only true 
God. Do you see it this morning? He is greater. He, he is not like anyone that these people heard about. He's not like anyone you have heard about. Many of you, especially college students in here this morning, you have studied history. You've studied about the great men and women of the past who had great accomplishments for mankind in all the various walks of life. And, and again, combine all these people together and Jesus is still far above them because He is God. Look at what uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul says in Colossians 1, 14-20. This is how... He describes Jesus in Him, in Jesus, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now listen to this, where everything was created by Him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been, been created through Him and for Him. The Apostle Paul is saying that Jesus Christ was there at the foundation of the world, because through Him, everything was created. And for Him, everything it was created. Listen to what he says on here. He says, He is before all things, and by Him all things hold together. Now, not only did He create all things, but He is sustaining all things in this moment. Let me ask you this question. Do you know anybody like that, that has that power, that has that ability to this morning? Do you, have you heard about anyone outside of Jesus Christ, obviously, that can do such a thing? No! He is uh, also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the fir firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have, listen to this, first place in everything. Let me pause for just a moment and ask you this question, especially Christ follower this morning, Christian this morning, follower of Jesus this morning, does He have first place in your life? That's a question we have to ask ourselves daily, right? Because there are so many things in this world that buy for our attention. There are so many things in this world. It's, it's like that flashy lure that a fish sees and goes after. We run after these things. We have such a heart that's prone to wonder and prone to leave the God who made us and the God that we love. Does he have first place? For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And listen to this. And this, oh, I, I, I read this part and I think of that, that morning or that evening that I gave my heart to Jesus over 41 years ago. That's Sunday night, January 3rd, 1982, about 8.30 in the evening. I knelt beside my mom and dad's de bed and, and my, my father, he was there. He was guiding me th through the sinner's prayer. And I remember praying that prayer and I remember the peace of God that washed over me in this moment. And here it is by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. That's why I had that peace. Because Jesus made peace on the cross for me and for you. He's not like anybody that you have heard about. So finally this morning, we come to it, don't we? I've already talked about this. And I'm going to talk about it just a little bit longer. Bear with me. Thank you so much for, for your attention this morning. Jesus is the Messiah. The Son of God. He's the long-awaited one. 
He's the one that the prophets told about in the Old Testament that pointed to Jesus. And there's so many prophecies that you could look to in the Old Testament that in the man Jesus Christ, they were fulfilled. And, and the possibility that one individual would fulfill all the prophecies about the Messiah, that one individual are so astronomical that it, it can't help but be true. This is what Jesus... The, so, Look at verse 29 one more time. But you, Jesus asked them, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. In Matthew, it does say you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And even after that, here, here's, I'm, I'm a, here's what Jesus tells me. He said, blessed are you, Simon Peter, son of John, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. My Father in heaven. Maybe this morning, maybe God the Father is revealing to you for the very first time that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. That Jesus is the Savior of all mankind, that Jesus can be your Savior and Lord this morning, if only you would believe. Listen to what uh, John, back in uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1 through 5, in the beginning was the Word, meaning Jesus, and the Word was God, and the, or with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, Again, all things were created through Him and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. Now listen to this. In Him was life. And that life was the light of men. That light shines in darkness and yet the darkness did not overcome it. The truth that Jesus is the Son of God, the truth that He is life this morning shines in the darkness, in the darkness of this world. And it beckons us to come. It beckons us to, to forsake all and, and to turn to Jesus who is our life. What, is that? what does that even mean? That means that when we are going away from God, when we are going away from Jesus, we think that's truly living, but it's not. And, and y'all know this. Y'all know this because you try so much. I try. I, I know it. I'll, say, I'll confess this morning. I know it because I go after things that are not of God, and I try to cram it into that God-shaped hole that's inside of me, and it leaves me more empty than when I started. I'm completely bankrupt outside of Jesus Christ because He is life. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 10. Beginning in verse 4. He says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes, since Moses writes about the righteousness that is from the law. You see, in the history of the Israelites, in the history of the world, God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses on the mountain. And He gave those commandments because this was God's standard. This is God's standard for living a holy, pure, 
sinless life. But unfortunately, we as mankind, we go against that standard. We transgress that standard because we have the propensity within ourselves to disobey God. Um, we talk about this often that, that, that when uh, we raise our children, those of you who are parents or grandparents this morning, you, you, you did not try to teach your children to disobey. They just naturally did it. When you told them no, and they did it anyway, that's what I'm talking about. That's deep and seated within us because that's our human nature, right? And this is, this is what, what Paul is talking about. Jesus came, and, and not that He negates the law, but He fulfills the law for each and every one of us who come to Him in belief. The one who does these things will live by them, He goes on to say, but the righteousness that comes from faith speaks like this. Do not say in your heart who will go up to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will go into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. On the contrary, what does it say? It, the message is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. What, what, what's Paul trying to say here? Is you, don't, you don't have to search very hard. You don't have to do it. You can't do it. Jesus came to you. I believe Jesus is coming to someone today. Just like He did to me on January 3rd, 1982 and said, I died for you. If you believe in me, and what I have accomplished for you on the cross. If you believe in your heart that I was raised from the dead, you can be forgiven. You can be saved. Listen what else he goes on to say. This, message, this is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the Scripture says, everyone who believes on Him will not be put to shame, since there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on Him. It doesn't matter what walk of life you come from. If you call on the name of Jesus, He responds. Listen, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved so i'll come back to the question that i asked earlier that key question who do you say that jesus is jesus didn't live leave any room for question especially at, at, in john 14 6 another great i am statement it says that jesus said i am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Who do you say that Jesus is this morning? I want to ask you to bow your heads and to close your eyes. Again, thank you so much for your attention this morning. I hope and my prayer is this morning that you've heard the voice of God.
And there may be some of you here today that before you came into these doors, if you were asked that question, who do you say that Jesus is? You, quite honestly, your, your question would, or your answer would be, I really don't know. I really don't know. Maybe while you are here this morning, the Spirit of God is tugging at your heart, giving you the answer to that question, and telling you that if you only would believe that Jesus truly is my Son, that I gave to the world because I love this world. That if you would believe that He went to the cross and died for you and that He rose again, that He would be your Savior. That you could be forgiven. And that from this day forward, He would walk with you. If that's you this morning, Would you call upon the name of the Lord? We just read that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a promise. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to clean up your life because God will help you do that. All He says is believe. It's very simple. You could pray something similar to what I prayed that night that I gave my heart to Jesus. You, you, could, you could say, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know that there's nothing I could do about my sin. But I also know that Jesus is your Son. I know that He came and lived a perfect life. And I know that He died on the cross for my sins. And I know that He rose again. Please forgive me because you have promised in your Word that you would if I would believe and call upon your name. From this day forward, I want to live for you. If that's you this morning, would, would you pray something similar? Would you call upon the name of the Lord and give your heart to Him? You will not be disappointed. This is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. And I'm not over-exaggerating this morning. Everyone must answer this question either in this life or when we're before the throne because at that point, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Don't wait until then. Call upon Him now. Here in just a moment, we're going to sing an incredible hymn. I'm going to invite Pastor Chris to come forward. Maybe you prayed that prayer this morning. Maybe you have questions. Pastor Chris will be here. I, I, I'll be here. I, I would love to talk with you. He would love to talk with you. Answer those questions. To pray with you and encourage you. Would you come? Would you respond to the Holy Spirit this morning? Father in heaven, I pray 
that your spirit has had an opportunity to move in, in hearts. And God, I pray that each and every one of us this morning would answer in affirmative to the question, who do you say that Jesus is? And we would say he's the Son of God and he's by Savior and Lord. Would you work? Would you move? As we continue in a, in a spirit of prayer, every head bowed, no one looking around, if God's tugging on, heart, on your heart, would you, would you respond to Him this morning? Christian, pray for those around you. Pray that they would, if they don't know Jesus, who Jesus is, that they would come to that saving truth this morning. One more verse this morning. Don't let this opportunity pass you up. so much for being here uh, as we get ready to close let me uh, mention to you an opportunity a way for you to respond I'm going to invite our men if you'll get ready to take our offering as we help take up our offering as we leave today um, if the Lord just working in your heart maybe it's regards to salvation or, or in other ways um, a couple things you can do one there's a there's a card in the pew back I mentioned about first-time guests but there's also a way for you to write down 
Uh, if there's a way we can pray for you, maybe you prayed to receive Christ today, and I know it's hard to step out sometimes and come and and come down front or something like that. Uh, but you can mark that on that card um, there that you prayed to receive Christ today. Um, for those of you that are college students, and we'll give some instructions about heading down um, to where we're going to have our meal. But there's some basic information. We just want to connect with you, know that you're here. Uh, but one of the opportunities there on that card is to mark. Maybe you prayed to receive Christ today. That's somebody that, man, today that you, you're trying to answer that question. Man, maybe you walked in and Jesus wasn't Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never been saved and surrendered your life to him. But as a part of today's service, maybe you made that decision then I want to encourage you to mark yes that you prayed to receive Jesus as Lord or, or Christ today. Um, and, and we just want to be a, we believe that's the most important decision you'll ever make. And so uh, it's not something we want to call you out or embarrass you, but it's something we want to come alongside and know if we can help you walk in that a new relationship, help be a source of encouragement to you, okay? Uh, as we leave today, we do have an opportunity to continue our worship through our giving. Um, it, this is just a way for us as a church family just to, um, to give and support the mission and work of Second Baptist. For those of you that are guests, this is not um, an, a, a, any sort of requirement of going, man, I've got to uh, put something in there so I can eat or any of that kind of thing. In no way is that. Uh, this is just an opportunity for us that have followed the Lord, that opportunity for us to give. And, and so uh, we don't want anybody to feel pressured by that. We want you to do what the Lord's led you to do. And if he leads you to give, great. If not, that's okay too. Uh, we're grateful that you are here. All right? So in just a moment, I'll pray for that. Let me give a few instructions. That way when I pray, uh, we can take off and go enjoy the meal. If you'll excuse my pointing, but you can go out these doors in the back or these doors to my left, your right, and about where that center column is, those of you who haven't been here, there's a hallway. Uh, if you'll follow your nose, it'll lead you to the glory land, all right? So it uh, leads you where the potluck tables are, uh, all the food there. Uh, I want to encourage uh, our, our church family. Uh, I'm going to try to give you college students, our, our guests, a head start, okay? Uh, so don't wait. I've, these bunch of Baptists around here, they'll beat you to the front, okay? So... Um, anyway, beloved, our guest, if you would make sure to try to go, um, that way you can get towards the front of the line. I want you to have the opportunity to do that, um, and then it'll be there uh, on the serving hall line. You'll see that. You'll go down there, get your food, and then there's plenty of seating in the fellowship hall um, on the very end there. You'll see the tables and chairs as you get down there. It'll make more sense. So, um, again... College students, we're doing some giveaways, so I want to encourage you. We'll have some cards out. Some of our students will be helping with this. Um, get that information out there, and then we're or on the card. Then we'll put it there where we can have drawings for some of the give, giveaways and different things. And we'll we'll give some more more instructions for that down there. Uh, for all of our church family, all of our guests, you are welcome to stay. There's plenty of food. Love to have you hang around and, and enjoy the time with us. Be back tonight as we continue our three circles uh, training. And then also, if you want to come hang out for the Super Bowl, uh, watch part of the time with the students. And let me say, maybe you're a student, you're wanting to do both. Uh, come to the three circles training, catch the first 25, 30 minutes of it, um, and then, then you can ease on to the other. They're going to be right next to each other, so that'll be no issue at all, okay? Let's stand together, and we are going to uh, pray and be dismissed. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, if you're a guest, I'd love the opportunity to meet you if I haven't already. Um, but let me pray for us. Lord, you're good and gracious and kind. Thank you for today. 
God, I pray that we would respond in obedience to you. I pray you'd help us to go and proclaim this gospel that others may believe that Jesus is the Christ. God, bless the tithes and offerings as they're given today. Use them for your kingdom and glory. I ask you to bless the food and the fellowship. Help us to honor you in all that we say and do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful, so wonderful is your unfailing love. See